Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Welcome to the World in Sport. I'm Vinny Wiley. This week, Cook Islands and Tonga's Rugby League World Cup hopes go on the line. Pacific teams sign off from the Rugby World Cup and the golfing world returns to Fiji. But first, Papua New Guinea have been confirmed to host three matches at the 2017 Rugby League World Cup with each of the Kumul's pool games to be held in Port Moresby. Papua New Guinea's Minister for Sports and National Events, Justin Tachenko, says after hosting the recent Pacific Games, Port Moresby has a host of new facilities ready and waiting to be used at the highest level. We've been working on this for the last two years at a government level and at a ministerial level besides PNG Rugby League. So over the last six months, the World Cup team and NRL have done their due diligence and come to PNG, had a look at our hotels, medical facilities, infrastructure, stadiums and all the rest to give a recommendation whether we're able to host such an event. As you know, we've just had the best Pacific Games that the Pacific has ever seen and we've got you know, 1.4 billion worth of new infrastructure now in our country that is ready and waiting to be used at the highest level and all these facilities were designed to ensure that we can host these events. So it's a bit of history for Papua New Guinea. We will be hosting the uh, World Cup in our pool in October 2017. I thank the Australian government and the NRL and Rugby League for allowing Papua New Guinea to uh, be a part of the World Cup and giving us our pool uh, to be played in Port Moresby in Papua New Guinea for that three-week period, knowing that we will be able to host uh, a very successful uh, World Cup and also have the stadiums completely packed with Papua New Guineans uh, supporting uh, their number one sport. So the Kumuls pool, all their pool matches will be in Port Moresby, will be in Papua New Guinea for the locals Correct. to watch. Correct. We're hoping that we play people like America, England and France. So we have a bit of uh, variety as well as a bit of overseas flavour to our event, our pool in uh, Port Moresby. We can play Tonga and Fiji and Samoa anytime. So we want something different for our people to embrace and also to show the rest of the world as well um, what we are doing in Port Moresby and promote our country uh, at the same time. Will the entire pool be in Port Moresby? Will the games between non-PNG teams within that pool also be in PNG? No, it's only three games. Those three matches will be all played uh, in Port Moresby. And then from there, the winners out of that pool will go down to Australia and play off for the finals. So have any venues been decided? I would definitely say uh, Hubert Murray Stadium will be the first pick. We will um, have 20,000 people capacity. It's a beautiful stadium designed and accredited for rugby league. We'll also have, of course, Lloyd Robson Oval, which will be finished by then as well. And we've got uh, John Guy Stadium. But I think the two key fields will be uh, Lloyd Robson and Hubert Murray. Uh, which are true rugby league grounds, and they will be brand new. 
and they'll have all the facilities that are needed to ensure that the World Cup matches are run successfully and properly. That's Papua New Guinea's Minister for Sports and National Events, Justin Tachenko. While the Papua New Guinea are a certainty for the Rugby League World Cup, the Cook Islands and Tonga square off this weekend in Sydney for the last remaining Pacific slot. Tonga coach Christian Wolfe says the Mate Ma'a desperately want to qualify. It's a competition that I think Tonga certainly needs to be a part of and, and obviously that's what we're aiming to make sure happens. And some terrific young Tongan talent coming through the NRL in particular and uh, we need to make sure they've got a pathway into the uh, World Cup and they get that opportunity. And as I said, that's what this weekend's about. The Cook Islands had uh, a bit of a second string or a development team play against uh, Niue uh, the weekend before last. You guys have opted not to have a warm-up match as such, but of course you were a part of the Pacific Test earlier this year. How do you feel about sort of match play and how ready the team's going to be for this game? It's always a difficult one. Now, this time of the year is, is a difficult time to get teams together. And you know, obviously some players have, have been finished for a month or so and some players uh, have only just finished. And you know, trying, to, uh, trying to get that balance right of, of what you do to, to get the team prepared is difficult. It's also a financial cost as well. And, and uh, you know, it's no secret that you know, we as a, uh, as a footy team don't have a lot of money and we don't have a lot of finances to, to do other stuff. So... We've done our preparation as best we can, and that means that we've come into camp yesterday and you know, we'll prepare really well. And the, the positive is that a lot of these blokes have played in the May Test and have played together before, and yeah, that certainly means that we've got a little bit of a grounding to work off. But at the same time, there's a lot of work that needs to be done over a short period, and you know, we just need to do the best we can with what we've got. You do have a, a pretty good dose of experience in there with the likes of uh, Sikamanu and George Tafu and Mahe Whanua, guys like that. Um probably more so than the Cook Islands have in terms of NRL and international experience. How important is that, you know, going into a, a game like this where there's a lot of pressure and a lot of a lot on the line? Yeah, it is important. I mean, they, they, those guys that play at that high level all the time are obviously uh, accustomed to pressure and, and, and accustomed to a, an all-or-nothing sort of uh, setup in a game. Uh, so it does help. And it certainly uh, certainly helps to have guys like Sikamano and Akumatai who are they're obviously experienced campaigners but also outstanding leaders in the group. And, and uh, yeah, they, they certainly go a long way to helping the group you know, be what it is in, in terms of a team. At the same time, though, you know, this sort of game, both, both nations are very proud and, and both teams are, are full of very proud uh, players as well and, and very good calibre players. And, uh, yeah, it's going to come down to who handles the occasion the best and who plays the best on the night. It's not too dissimilar to a grand final. Yeah, obviously those experienced campaigners help, but it doesn't get you across the line. Your counterpart, Alex Chan, that from the Cook Islands, uh, said he had a bit of frustrations, and I think we had the same thing last year with you know, the likes of Matt Parrish and Samoa has spoken out previously about how hard it can be to get some of these guys who actually want to play for their country. They actually are fit, they're OK, but uh, the clubs basically tap them on the shoulder and say... No, no, no! Don't do that. Have you have you had yeah. further issues in that regard? Yeah, look, there's always an issue there. It's a difficult one. I've sat on both sides of the fence. You know, being in an NRL club, and you know, NRL clubs do put in, you know they they put in a major investment for some of the players, and, and obviously it's you know it's, it's their investment. And they want to protect it at times. Uh, you know, I can certainly understand that point of view. At the same time, if as a code, uh, a rugby league, we want to grow the international game. Yeah, you know, we also need to take a bit of a risk there at times and support it. And it might not be um, entirely what's best for the club sometimes, but um, you know, it certainly helps the game grow and, and particularly internationally. And, and, and that's something that I think is getting better. Um, you know, as as we as a as a, a you know, involved in the Tongan team have have um, made our operations better and been a bit more professional, we've certainly got a lot more support from NRL clubs. And not 100 percent yet. Uh, you know, we still need to get better. And there's still a few players that we would have loved to have had here that. 
for different reasons were made unavailable. It is certainly getting better and, and uh, I hope it continues to improve. That's the Tonga Rugby League coach Christian Wolfe. The Rugby World Cup tournament has ended for all three Pacific Island nations with pre-tournament hopes of a playoffs run fading quickly into familiar frustrations of fighting against the odds. Fiji, Samoa and Tonga not only missed out on the quarterfinals but each failed to qualify automatically for the next World Cup after finishing fourth in their respective groups, putting their participation in 2019 in Japan in doubt. Fiji arguably performed the best of all three, but John McKee's team were unable to topple England, Australia or Wales in the so-called pool of death. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about the draw, but you know, the, we can control a lot of things and we work hard in a lot of areas, but, but we can't control the, the draw. I mean, partly it seemed to be because the rankings were done a long way out from the World Cup and partly it was the luck of the draw that someone else got drawn in that group which put those big three teams together with us. Hopefully the draw is a bit kinder to us next time. Samoa saved their best performance until last, a 36-33 defeat to Scotland, but by then it largely didn't matter. The Manu outscored the Scots four tries to three but conceded 20 penalties at St James's Park. The Manu were without vice-captain Alessandra Tuilangi after the veteran winger was slapped with a dubious five-week ban for kneeing a Japanese player while running with the ball that was later reduced to two weeks on appeal. Samoa coach Stephen Beetham said before the tournament the island nations were targeted more by the referees and in his final press conference reflected on suggestions that the Pacific Island teams are hard done by. We've got to go now and, and do our reviews and, and all the processes that go along with that and find out where we went wrong along the way during the World Cup. My own thoughts was always the case, but if we keep using it as an excuse, we're not going to gain. So we, we've just got to try our best at what we've got, use the best, whatever resources we have, just got to make the best of it and, and, and try to foot it with the world. Tonga were the only Pacific team that went into their final round-robin match with a chance of reaching the knockout rounds. That proved beyond them as the All Blacks prevailed 47-9 and Argentina thrashed Namibia to seal second spot in Group C. Ikaletahi coach Mana Otai says it's disappointing to have missed out on both the playoffs and automatic qualification for the 2019 World Cup, but he insists there is still plenty of positives to reflect on. We always look at the uh, silver lining behind every dark cloud. Uh, you know, to re-qualify, that's where we are now. There was never a moment that we were thinking down that track. I thought that there has been a huge improvement from the way we played against Georgia the way we play the last two Tiwa nations. We show glimpses of, of how good we can be. It's just there's a few little bits in the middle there. I mean, fitness is, is an area. And of course, the pressure, it's, it's a whole new level for these guys playing against these guys. So I don't think that we had gone downhill. I thought we had improved every game. Surely against Georgia, we would have preferred a better start. And uh, that would have obviously uh, built confidence in us. But we still... Uh, managed to look at every game as we're still in the running. So it was never a moment that we thought we were out of it until tonight, really. Just eight teams remain in World Cup contention with Australia, South Africa, New Zealand and Ireland advancing to the quarters as group winners, along with runners-up Wales, Scotland, Argentina and France. Vijay Singh says he's determined to win a title on home soil this week at the Fiji International Golf Tournament. The former world number one finished in the top ten at last year's inaugural event at Natandola Bay, a course he designed, but he has sights set much higher this time around. I was excited last year to come for the first time, but my mind was more into how I'm going to fix this golf course. But this year I'm a little bit more used to it and I know what to expect. 
I look forward to playing. I mean, this year I'm, I want to play and I want to win. So, you know, I'm more focused into playing my game and, and trying to play to win. The 52-year-old Singh is happy to see more locals in the field as well this time around. There was only three or four year, last year. I know I'd like to see about ten of them playing. Even if they're not able to play really good, at least they are in the field. And that's going to give a little bit more chance for other players to try a little harder and get into the tournament. Six to start. I mean, it was four the first time, and six now, maybe more next year. Joining Vijay Singh in the field will be fellow Fijian pros Dinesh Chand, Sam Lee and Anasa Siravatu. His brother Krishna Singh is also in the lineup, along with Bill Sugaturanga and Tomasi Tuivana. The New Zealand Samoan heavyweight boxer Joseph Parker fights veteran Kali Meehan on Thursday in his toughest professional challenge yet. The 45-year-old Meehan is Fiji-born and has a 42-win, 5-loss record. He spoke with Joe Porter about a career in the murky underworld of heavyweight boxers. None of it's based on your time. It's a sport of kings, but it's run by gangsters, thugs and pimps. Well, that's why I'm still fighting now at 45 years of age. I mean, I, I should have... If, if I had the right managers... If I had the right promoters early on, I would have fought for my world titles, you know, and, and then fought again and made a lot of money and then come out of the sport. But it doesn't matter how much world talent you have, if you haven't got the right team or the right promoter with you, you're not going to get seen because you're not bringing any money to the table. How early was it into your career that you realised that it wasn't just going to be your performances that got you shots at titles, that it was going to have to be some other stuff involved? I read that late in my career. You know, I was just very naive and um, trust, trustworthy, trust people too easily and, you know, I just wanted to fight and, you know, didn't, didn't, didn't uh, really understand the business side of things. It's, it's just, you know, like a lot of lot of young kids from Oxford just trust too easy, you know. It sort of seems to be an all too common story in boxing, you know, a, a guy with a lot of talent who's perhaps not necessarily that business minded or is, or is not so ruthless in that sense can get taken advantage of by people. Far too common, you know, um, I mean, I've had a lot of that in my own career. With your own experiences, and obviously your son, Willis, being, you know, having a lot of potential himself, because of your experiences, do you have any reservations about him trying to follow that same path just because of the vultures that are out there? I tried, like, a lot of, you know, boxers with, with sons, try to deter them away from boxing, simply for that fact that it's, um, oh, it's a bastard game sometimes, you know what I mean? And I remember one time I said to him and his older brother, Lewis, you know, because he kept bugging me, want to be a boxer, want to be a boxer. It's like... So I said, okay, tomorrow, tomorrow I want you to to go out in the bag, the punching bag in the garage, and I want you to do, you know, how many rounds of left, right, left, right, you know, continuously. I gave them a little routine to do the next day, you know. The next day, I purposely, you know, jumped them in the car and went down to the supermarket and bought the most ice cream, heaps of ice cream for them, you know. And I, we got home, and then I, we all made those big mountainous ice creams each, as much you can put on the cone, and set them eight ice cream. As soon as they finished. I said to them both, you know, don't don't ever talk to me about boxing again because you've proven that you don't really want to be a fighter because I told you last night what you got to do with your training today and you instead wanted to eat the ice cream. And that was my little trick, you know, so this just really got to him, you know, and like 10 minutes later you could just hear this bang, 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 you know. He's out in the garage hitting the bag of ice cream all over his face, you know, so I thought, okay, I think this boy here really wants to be a fighter, you know. When was the first moment, I guess, or you realised, or the first example you had firsthand of, of the underworld of boxing and the way that it works, the politics? Well, I, uh, I'll give you a little history lesson. I sort of, um, 
you know, how, that's what I was getting to before. I had, I lived at 22 fights without, with no losses, you know, and uh, I um, I'd won the Australian title, I'd won all those regional titles, and then I was working on a garbage truck, you know, running around, throwing the rubbish in. And then I got an offer to fight, uh, to spar with John Ruiz, who was then, I think he was the WBA champ, or about to fight for the title then, to go spar him in uh, Boston. I said, yeah, let's go. So we went to Boston, and I... I became his sparring partner for for fight he had coming up. So, you know, I was doing really well with him, you know, in the gym every day and sparring, and I was really happy with how I was going. And then his trainer, you know, he used to give me, he was giving me bonuses, uh, cash bonuses all the time. And then he even rang Don King and said, "Man, you got to sign this." He called me the Aussie kid. You got to sign this Aussie kid up. You know, you got to sign him. We got to sign him. So um, you know, they ran, we came back and then they Don King. People rang up, said, you know, we want to sign you up. You know, here I am on the garbage truck, you know. So, wow, how good is this? So we flew there and got to the airport, and, you know, here's this guy standing with a with a name card, Kylie Meehan, you know, and come out, met him, met him, jumped in this massive limousine, you know, long stretch limousine, and then they, they take you to the Hilton. And what they purposely, they I think it was purposely, they left me there for like, me and my little team there, they left us there for like four or five days, you know. Oh, Mr. King is busy today, you'll see you tomorrow, but you just stay here and, you know, anything, you just put it on the tab, you know, if you want to drink, you know, or if you want to eat, whatever, you know, so everything was free. So next thing, they bring you into Don King's office and offer you this contract. And that's where I should have had the lawyer and the accountant, but, you know. I'm thinking, man, this is better than the garbage truck. So I'm, I signed the contract, and then they told me tomorrow uh, someone will pick you up, and they're going to take you to the uh, world-class, exclusive Don King training camp, you know, where you'll have top-quality sparring. And I thought, wow, how good is this, you know? Next day, we checked out. We're sitting outside the hotel waiting. Four days before, we got picked up in this beautiful limousine. I looked down the road. Here's this old, old van, you know, just squeaking its way up the road. <laughs> and I knew this van, this van's for us, you know. Anyway, and it was, and he picked us up, and he just, first thing, this old guy, he said, place where we're going ain't no Hilton. That's what he said, you know, and he took us to this training camp in the middle. Actually, it was right on the edge of this, one of the worst ghettos in America, you know. You know, I've signed now, so it is what it is. So, But it was, it was I did have good sparring there, so we've done all the sparring. And then I fought for the title. Uh, I lost that on a split decision. And, you know, just answering your question, it wasn't until then I fought Ruckman with an injury and lost that fight and got put to the back of the shelf. And I finally come back at that fight. I was telling you, uh, I think I told you about with Devaro Williamson. It was then ranked number four in the world, and I got nine days' notice, and I beat him. And then eventually I got, you know, to the number one position in the WBA. I got number three, and then I defended that, that regional title a few times. So I, got, I ended up getting to number one. And um, I, uh, what's his name? Valuev, the, the giant, he was the, the, the champion, you know. And I was so, so confident to fight this guy. I really had the plan. I, you know, I thought I'll beat this guy. And then um, I stayed there for two years at number one. I never got the shot, you know. And that's when I really, really come clear to me, mate. This the way this business is run. It's just so corrupt. Do you feel ripped off at all, I guess, at any stage in your career that you didn't get the chances you would have liked to have got or you think oh, you deserved mate, you got? for sure, for sure. I mean, I, I look back now with what I've learned and I think, you beep, beep, beep. You know, but what am I going to do? You know, sit here and get stressed and get cancer from it? No way. You know, like I said before, every day is a beautiful day. I'm blessed. I've got three healthy, strong, good sons. I've got a beautiful wife. Life goes on. It is what it is. That's boxer Carly Meehan who's fighting Joseph Parker this week. And that's the World in Sport for this week. I'm Vinnie Wiley. As always, thank you very much for listening.
Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.